Welcome to the Gym Series. For today's episode, I am thrilled to welcome my co-host, Nahid Farzad. Nahid is a customer success executive responsible for reinventing the customer experience here at Rocket Level, and she is an absolute rock star. Nahid will be interviewing today's guest, Shawnee Godwin. Shawnee is an accomplished entrepreneur, author, blogger, podcaster, and speaker, and is known as Chief Joy Officer at her high-growth marketing firm, Communique USA. With over 18 years of experience leading her firm, she is an expert at helping small businesses take the guesswork out of marketing, telling their story, and growing their businesses the right way. Passionate about work-life integration, Shawnee and her Communique USA team have been providing marketing project relief and support to stressed out, overworked marketing departments around the country, including Chick-fil-A, Cox Enterprises, Communicore, Party City of Atlanta, Georgia Power, and Safeco Insurance Companies, among tons of others. Under Shawnee's leadership, Communique also created Joy Economics, her signature coaching program for helping women entrepreneurs scale to seven figures and beyond using their gifts, talents, and stories. This approach has helped Communique grow by nearly 300% and includes company policies and programs that free its staff to enjoy life as much as work. Joy Economics, creating better way to life, work, and play, also uses a client service approach that delivers expert marketing relief teams and a Joy Economics National Speaker Series to empower others to transact joy. This podcast is all about those who didn't take the beaten path and are doing something disruptive, writing their own stories and investing in themselves. There is so much of this that we can learn from Shani. Enjoy. Shani, thank you so much for, for hopping on the podcast with us. It's, yeah. you know, I, I can tell you're such a busy person, so really appreciate the time. Yeah, no, I um, am grateful to be here. I'm going to actually put my bracelets over here because they're jingling, baby. Oh, that's okay. Jingly sound in there, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, appreciate that. We're all busy, right? You you make time for the things that are important, and this was important to me, so. Oh, well, thank you so much. It really is. Me. So I, I worked with Lonnie years ago and she's great. He is in a whole span of my 30 years that I've been in advertising, marketing and communications, hands down, one of the top people I've thoroughly enjoyed working with in my career. Oh my gosh. I'm so lucky to work with her. I really love working with her. And it's just the type of person where work doesn't feel so much like work. It feels yeah. like working with a girlfriend, you know? Yeah. yeah. So. We ran into each other in a restaurant gosh, probably about four or five years ago. And I was eating with my attorney oh. and she's like, Shani? And I was like, Lonnie? <laughs> Good to see you. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Good coincidence. And also, I think it's just so, so cool that you can just have those, those relationships, you know, whether it be, you know, personal, obviously, but like professional spanning so many years. And, yeah. you know, I know that's something that you're really big on is helping, you know, women and just kind of supporting women in, in business. Um, so I'm really excited to dive into all of that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so thank you so much for being here. Um, you know, I think that the one place I really want to start is, is just kind of giving an, an overarching, you know, look to our listeners on what it is that Communique does and, and a little bit just kind of about you. So if you want to just kind of dive into that. Absolutely. So uh, I am the CEO of Communique USA. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. We get that all the time. Um, it's a little French inspiration on uh, uh-huh. Communique means communication in French. And so that's for mm-hmm. me where this story begins. I love to write. 
I've always been a writer my whole life. I grew up speaking uh, at a very early age. Probably I thought about this because, you know, it's so a part of you. You don't really think about how long you've been doing it. But probably around Mm -hmm. seven is the first second grade. I, I was Harriet Tubman in a Black History Month program and had on my mom's big um jean skirt which went Stop. down to my ankles and like some Mary Jane's tied a scarf around my head and Harriet was born but that was my first yes. I, I remember distinctly writing that as my first composition ever and then mm-hmm. um giving that speech and that was probably the start of 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 my career if I really think about it I didn't know at that time I'd go on to lead a communications company but um you know lifetime talent career led me through advertising traditional agency mm-hmm. side into corporate advertising work and then eventually got the opportunity to start communicate 20 years ago this year. So wow. it's been a great Congrats. job. What we do is really simple. Uh, the inspiration behind communicate was to really create for, and, and you, I got to take you back to 2002. At that time, there was no Facebook. There was mm-hmm. no content, wasn't driving everything. The dot-coms had just all burst and dissolved and crashed. So content wasn't the driver of marketing, but I, here I was a writer uh, inside of the halls of corporate America, dying a little bit creatively and, and super inspired to create a content shop basically for small businesses. Mm-hmm. And so that was the inspiration and original vision. It was for me really a lifestyle business. I was married at the time. Um, I really had this vision for my life where I wanted to be super high creative, do great, great work. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to be very present in my life as a wife, as a mom, if I had kids, as a daughter, mm-hmm. a friend. And I just couldn't see how I could make that work in a nine to five, two weeks of vacation a year. And I, I was young, but I had that foresight and vision. And so fast forward 20 years later, Content drives everything, and we started mm-hmm. this company as a content shop. What we do and hyper focus on today is two main areas. We do provide end to end content uh, development work for all kinds of comms uh, teams, departments, corporations, major corporations with big marketing budgets and corp com budgets, um, small businesses, uh, teaching women entrepreneurs how to use their content, their stories to create a brand that honors the best of who they are so that they can have a business that honors the lifestyle they want. But then we also, over the years, started getting a lot of requests to help find talent for fast-growing organizations and Mm -hmm. um, fast-growing small businesses. And so we built in an embedded staffing division where we help find fractional marketing and communications talent. So together, the, the actual execution of the work and then finding, helping you find the people who do the work uh, that comprises the lion's share of the work we do at Communicate. Wow. So I, I just am amazed at all the different things that you have your, your hand in. So obviously you run Communicate. I know you have another kind of side brand, um, Joy Economics, right? Did I say that one right? Yeah, it's, it's actually okay. more of a work philosophy. We do have a coaching program that we, we created okay. during the pandemic for uh, small business owners, women who wanted to reinvent their lives, their businesses who were stressed out. Um, And Mm -hmm. Joy Economics kind of undergirds the philosophy of how we do our business. And so we believe that when you do work that you love, little Shawnee playing Harriet Tubman uh, in (sighs) school play, love to write, Mm -hmm. love to speak. So what I've learned through the years is how to monetize those talents and find joy Mm -hmm. in my work. 
And when I chase joy, the money, the opportunities, the scaling, the growth comes. So that's that's the the inspiration behind joy economics. And we've started to get okay. uh, press and opportunities because we're in very a cool. space in the economy where people are very receptive to a work-life balance, work-friendly, work-life-centered culture. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think that that's something we always are talking about over here is we, we're, I don't know if you've heard the term, but like the great resignation, like a yeah. lot of people I think are coming to that conclusion that it's like, you know, especially very corporate style jobs, which I know you, you used to work in. Yes. It, it's very hard to, to kind of think, how am I going to balance myself as a person, the things that drive me, my passions, my family, my, you know, those types of things, because they're just as important as work. Right. Well, absolutely. You know, absolutely. So, so I think that's very cool that you had the, I guess the foresight, you know, to see how important these things are and how easily people can burn out without them, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, you know, it's, it's some foresight, but it was also my real life story. So here mm-hmm. I am, high, highly successful, high functioning, leading high growth teams, and also dealing with um, privately depression at that time, oh. you know, having to show up to work, looking the part, but having these, these um, challenges behind the scenes. So the rest of the story is the marriage did not work out. Mm. The, the family did not come. Instead, I ended mm-hmm. up um, sick, depressed, divorced, and then my dad died all in the span of three years. And wow. then that's when God was like, now, writer girl, go write about this. And I knew that not only would writing be part of my healing and recovery, but outing myself as a leader, sharing yeah. the real impact on my life and how hard and difficult it was to show up at work when you look mm. fine with all of these things falling apart that I'm hov- covering and hiding. And when yeah. I really let it go and just said, Hey, you know, guys, this is what's happening. This is the real me. The very thing I thought would happen, which was, you know, I'd break the brand. I'd lose the clients. I'd lose the respect and trust the complete opposite found me. And so I, I hopefully yeah. know that my work on this earth is about teaching women, especially but anyone mm-hmm. who really values work and life and is working hard to have a life they love, to learn how to do that in ways that create joy, wholeness, healthiness. And I personally champion and advocate for mental health in the workplace as a result. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I had no idea, obviously, about any of those details about you. And, and that's, thank you for sharing that. Cause that's obviously very personal, but I think that it's something that so many people just relate to, you know, I mean, I, I would love to kind of back up on your story a little bit and kind of maybe dive into, you know, when you were kind of in that, that corporate place and all these, you know, pieces of your life were kind of falling apart or not working out the way that you expected, um, you know, where were you at in your career and, and what was kind of the decision-making process into thinking I need to do something different, I guess. Yes. Um, It's funny. It's a great question. Um, You know, oddly, I I had figured out that I was not cut out for corporate before all of the thing, before the world crumbled (laughs) and cracked. So it's funny because, you know, the pandemic showed up at Communique hard, fast and brutal. And while I think it was really difficult for a lot of us, I'd been through so many things. I was poised and ready and, and just know how to, to move and pivot. And I rather enjoyed kind of just going with the flow and figuring it all out. But I also recognized, mm-hmm. like, had it not been for 
those difficulties a decade ago that I, I too would be kind of having these awakenings of like, what is this all about? And so for me, I started the business in 2002 um, Mm -hmm. and all of these things happened about three years later. And it was, you know, there's a series of events that, that leads up to, you know, this tipping point where, you know, I Mm -hmm. found the cliff land, but I, I, you know, if I, without unpacking it all for me from a spiritual place, I prayed this prayer and I'll I'll kind of focus it there, which was like, God, what is your will for my life? Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. And I, Nahid, I meant that with my whole heart until like all of that stuff happened. I was like, that wasn't really what I was, I meant like, (laughs) go like, like, yeah. Solve world hunger. Like, yeah. Right? This is not what I thought you had planned. <laughs> so, but um, so it's interesting because I, I had pushed through the fear of starting a business. I was out there. I think I was so young and honestly ambitious. And there's a beautiful part thing about being young and ambitious. It also comes with a good dose of naivete. I just didn't think yeah. about where everyone around me was like, are you crazy? And I was like, what's wrong really? with you? So I jumped out, but it was when all these things crashed. I'm three years out. Mm-hmm. I, it was, mm-hmm. I remember it being this feeling of like, oh my God, I, I never, I actually thought I was invincible. I never considered that as a business owner, life could show up in this way. And I, you know, I was, I yeah. had to turn 30 and I, I read a, um, I read a, a article about like what you learn in each decade. And I love this. I'll share it. And then I'll pause. Yeah, please. But yeah. it said in your twenties, you, you show up in your life as the you, you think you're supposed to be. And that's informed a lot by like your parents and what you saw mm-hmm. growing up and, and what you envision adulting is really supposed to be. And then in your thirties, yeah. life kind of smacks you all upside the head but it also shows you, you know, the harder things in life start to show up for a lot of mm-hmm. us in the 30s. I and mean, that was certainly my case. And but mm-hmm. it shows us our real core and our character. And then the 40s, mm-hmm. you arrive at the you that you were created to be. And that certainly kind of summarizes the story. So, again, I, yeah. I don't think it was until these things happened that I ever even considered, like, the backup plan. What if this business did fail? What if... I don't have it. What if I can't get myself together? And what does this mean for my career? Who am I? If can I be successful and, you know, bright and brilliant and also have this mental struggle? These things I had to reckon Mm -hmm. all of those things privately before I could then publicly come out and share. And at the time and place that I'm called to do this work in my 40s, mid 40s at that a, mental health is trending. I would have never had any idea that the timing would align. Um, but B, yeah. I, I can speak authoritatively on this topic because it's just not a philosophy. It is, as I said, some foresight, mm-hmm. but a lot of life experience. And, and it's a real story. And there are Shawnee yeah. in our offices every day around us who, who don't have permission and don't feel like they have the ability to show up as their real selves. And I think these are the gifts that the pandemic is offering us. And that's why we're seeing things like the great resignation and people really embracing yep. like the real of who they are and trying to find work that aligns with the best parts of who they are and who they want to be. 
Yeah. It's, it's so funny how often I feel like I've heard, and I'm sure you've heard this a ton of times, like companies saying, we want you to come to work as your authentic self. And it's like, that's a whole person. That's not that's just, you know, the, the, the corporate side of you. Yeah, exactly. And then people don't really mean it the way that they, it needs to be meant for people to thrive and be healthy and be, you know, good at their jobs. And, you know, right. Right. so that's, that's very cool. That's something that, that you really, you know, help, help, um, you know, people work on and, and to kind of, you know, tap into those skills that they have to, to really, you know, bring their true authentic selves to work. Um, now, you know, you, you obviously had a lot of adversity and, and, you know, I'm sure even though you kind of went into starting your own business with, um, maybe like a bright eyed, bushy tailed attitude, I'm sure you had your tough days there too. So how do you think you kind of like reframe your mindset on those days? Cause obviously I think, um, a big, you know, um, criticism or big, the biggest critic is yourself probably most times. Yeah. So I guess, how do you help reframe your mind on those days? Yeah. So it's, um, you know, I, I advocate for therapy and all, all the things, the coaches, the therapists, all of that. But what the, one of the biggest mm-hmm. tools I use is like to talk back to the narrative. So we all, whether it's, you know, us as employees, us as business leaders, us as vendors, whatever part we're playing, we all, we all create narratives about, other people about ourselves. Some are true and some aren't true. And I love, I I think in narratives because I'm a writer, I own a communications company. Mm -hmm. We write brand stories and, you know, stories and narratives all day. But, you know, when I find myself doubting myself or coming a little bit unglued, what I typically have learned to do, it's just a tool in my toolbox is to you know, as they say, where are the receipts? Like when I look back (laughs) over history I go, give me, give, I ask myself to give myself an example of a time I failed at that, or I didn't deliver, or the thing that I'm afraid of happening has actually happened. If, mm-hmm. if I can't find receipts in my, my history that say it's likely to happen, then, it, then I know it's a fear. And when you see fear for what it is, false evidence appearing real, then you're able to come and approach it from a different angle and push past it. So I've gotten very good at doing it scared. Um, And I think for me, it's the awareness that fear is what's driving the decision or lack Mm -hmm. of decision sometimes. And when I see fear, that just can't be the reason. We can make decisions for a lot of other reasons, viable reasons, but Mm -hmm. fear can't be the reason I don't do something. So it gets me doing a lot of crazy over the top challenging, stretchy things, but Hey, it keeps life interesting. So. Yeah, absolutely. What did you say? You just said fear was uh, used like an acronym. Uh, false evidence you appearing said... real for fear. Wow. That, that is I have never heard that before. I've heard that. I love that. It's false evidence appearing. Oh my gosh. I love that. That is, I mean, that really is what it is. Like if we don't have, like you said, if we don't have the receipts, what are we so afraid of? Yeah. So like, where but, is the evidence? Like, have you, mm-hmm. if you, if, and, and here's the thing, fear is an appropriate response. If you are in danger, if, you know, mm-hmm. if a lion's chasing you, heck yeah, you better be afraid and get your butt out of there. Right. But <laughs> yeah, if yeah. you're not in imminent danger, then you, I, for me, I have to interrogate the narrative around the fear. And I've, Oddly found my biggest blessings typically are on the other side of that fear. And if Mm -hmm. I can push through it, then there's something beautiful waiting. Yeah. But I've done it a lot, right? So it's, it's Mm -hmm. training too. Yeah. There's practice in it. Exactly. And 
And like you said, you know, it leads to maybe you taking some of those bigger risks, bigger reward though. So I I guess, you know, kind of going back a little bit to when you first started this company, um, you know, I think the the hardest part of anything is just starting, right? (laughs) So for for you, can you kind of think back to when you first started, like what were some of the goals you had and, and where did you kind of start? Sure. Um, so I, this is a funny little story. I, I, as much as I knew I loved to write, I, you would think it was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to start this writing company. And that was not how right. it went. Um, I had a lot of fear, a, a whole lot of fear. Mm-hmm. It was the overreigning um, belief and feeling. And I didn't have, again, history of pushing past fear. I was rather mm-hmm. um, very much a calculated risk taker. I've, I have a lot of people mm-hmm. like, Shawnee, you're super risky. I, I'm a calculated risk taker. I'm a move, but I kind of okay. have to see a little bit of a, a net or something, you know, a plan before I move on it. Right. So for me, um, again, I was married at the time and my ex-husband kept saying, Shawnee, just write. And I, this went on for two and a half years. So I want to be really clear. This is not an overnight process. For two and a half years, I bugged the heck out of him with every idea but writing under the sun. I mean, I'm going to open a Sylvan learning center. I'm going to open a dance, a dance place. And he's like, you don't dance. And I was like, but I used to dance. <laughs> and this That's so funny. Like two and a half years. We finally, mm-hmm. uh, I got this bright idea to go visit this church. We had never been to this church. We kept passing by it. I was like, Hey, do you want to mm-hmm. go visit this church? Sure. We show up in there. And that Sunday, the pastor was a lady and she was preaching about fear And she said something that just, I was, I knew I was supposed to be in that church on that Sunday at that time in my life. I love that. Some of you are afraid and you're overanalyzing and overthinking and your, your paralysis of analysis is going to make you miss your blessing in your season. And if, if I'm talking to you, come up here. And let me pray for you. I'm, I'm not a person who's like, oh, let me come up there. I look at myself. I look at him. I'm like, I think she's talking. He was like, I'm waiting. I'm like waiting on you. Are you going? And so when we came out of that um, service, I said to him, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I know that I can write. So I'm just going to write. And within a week, someone asked me to do a, a nonprofit brochure for their uncle. I asked if I could do it for free and um, vet him and let him be a guinea pig client. And five, 10 minutes into the conversation, I realized I couldn't even write because there was this whole consultative messaging um, Mm -hmm. strategy piece that I I had acquired from being in corporate. And boom, Mm. the model for Communicate came into vision. So it wasn't, I never was going to have it until I took a step. And that's what I've learned. Ah. A lot of times we're waiting for the vision to be completely clear, completely plane before we move. And that's why fear stifles us. But Mm -hmm. for me, I love this quote by Martin Luther King. I quoted it a lot. You don't have to real entrepreneurship journey is you don't have to see the whole staircase. You get to the top by taking the the first step. So in that moment that I'm consulting with this uncle, I don't have a name for the business. I don't, I'm just going to write 20 years Mm -hmm. later, you know, I'm a seven-figure business owner, multiple corporate clients, all of that. I could have never dreamt that in the middle of those, it's going to be a dance center. It's never, it's (laughs) just start with where you are and take a step. And then once you take Mm. that step, 
Just think if you're going up a staircase, if it winds and curves, you're not going to know what's ahead until you get to that step where you can turn and go, oh, oh, we're turning. You just take yeah. steps and, and move and the answers yeah. start to find you. That was, that was a great story. I mean, it's such a good example of, yeah, like you don't, you know, it's something we say here a lot is it's better done than perfect. Yeah. You know? and that's something um, we started adopting that mantra uh, at Communique about mm-hmm. two years ago. Cause I was like, it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. The pandemic has softened me the year as I age gracefully. I I've chilled yeah. out a whole lot. So people in my early days would be like, that was not your mantra 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, done, is, done is better than perfect is definitely what we've been saying the last couple of years. So. Absolutely. But, but yeah, I mean, taking that first step and you're going to figure it out as you go along, but start, you know, start doing something, anything, right? Yeah. Well, and it's funny because yeah. I did a master class recently. I, I love telling on myself all the time. There's no reason to demystify <laughs> and break the facade, but I just actually love showing people what it really looks like behind the scenes. So for yeah. our economics coaching program, we've, you know, we've been doing all this promoting of a masterclass. We tried it last mm-hmm. summer, bad timing. Not a lot of people <laughs> registered. Yeah. I was like, forget it. Just, we're not going to do it. And then the new year started. I was like, it's perfect time. Let's do it again. And I said, and even if no one shows up, we're doing it period. Yes. And so we just did the masterclass. We probably, we had a very low turnout. We did it, um, a couple of Sundays ago at, at on, in a Sunday evening, you know, we did all the promotion, the email, the Facebook post, all of that. Probably about four or five people showed up. Not a great turnout by marketer stats. But because I said we were going to do it, we did it. And when we did it, it, we had all kinds of weird tech glitches. It was beyond done, but not perfect. It was definitely <laughs> nowhere near perfect. But it was done, Nahid. And by yes. the time we finished, I was like... I know what we need to do. Like this needs to be pre-recorded. We need to do it this way. Uh-huh. I never would have figured that out if I wouldn't have just done it for even for an audience of one, even if that one was me. So yeah. the answers really do find you when you just take some moves and the journey and the process is where the beauty lies. It's really not. Yeah. You hit a goal and you cheer, you eat out, you go on a trip and then you come mm-hmm. back and like, what are we doing next? So I'm really yeah. learning, learn to just be in the moment with the process and learn as I go. Yeah. And you can't always know what you're going to learn. You know, like you, you just come out with so many takeaways that you're like, wow, I didn't even expect to kind of have that, you know? Yeah. Well, so. and it's like unlocking a code, right? So you make mm-hmm. assumptions before you move, but in the doing is when you either validate the assumptions or, or you discover something new about yourself that you, you didn't even know. So in that story of how communique got started, I'm thinking I'm writing this brochure for this nonprofit, but consultant girl is like, oh no, give me that microphone. Like, yes. who's your target audience, sir? What is the target <laughs> voice, sir? Who you are yes. benefits? And I was like, oh, this is <laughs> that's awesome. Part of the model, so. Cool. Okay. So uh, you, you're landing your first client. Things are going well. Uh, how did, can you kind of bridge the story between how you got from being, you know, that, that one person with that one uncle client versus now you've got like corporate clients, you've got a team, you've got like, you've grown this to be so big. Like what, what was that in between? Tell me about that. Yeah. So it's so funny. Cause I, from day one, I always spoke, um, in, in, 
second person plural. I was always saying we. And I remember in those early years, people would be like, I'd be like, and we're going to do this. And you got to think I was like super young and super cute. Yeah. And they're like, oh, cute little girl. Okay. Yeah. And I'm saying we. And they're looking, people would like be like, who, who else is he? Who is we? <laughs> but I had vendors. I had partners. I had advisors. Sure. Always we in my head. So uh-huh. um, I think two secrets to my success. I've thought about this a lot recently. I'm very clear on what I know and I'm clear on what I don't know. And I don't mm-hmm. try to have all the answers. And I'm super, as you see, people-y. And I like people. I can tell. I like collaboration. So I would... I, and I'm a connector, which is why, you know, I, I can pull back in my my Rolodex, my LinkedIn, whatever, 20, 30 mm-hmm. years and pull people into present time. And so uh-huh. I kind of had those strengths. Really, the work just built. So when I got it was a simple overflow model. When I got too busy, then I would add a person, a fractional mm-hmm. person. They got too busy. And every person I'd say how much do you want to work? Not like I need you to do all this mm. work. It would be, hey, Shawnee, I'm a mom. I'm coming back to the corporate world. I want to do great work, but I need to be at the bus stop at three o'clock to get my kids. Okay, how many hours can you give me? 20, cool. We get you to 20. We match you with a client who can take that capacity. And then when you get too full, your obligation is to create a new job for someone else. And so mm. we always kind of outgrew the work. And, and at, there was a point of specific pivotal point where I did a um, business development program, again, um, immersing myself in free resources and programs. And I've been sponsored mm-hmm. and sent to Dartmouth and Tuck and executive education by amazing clients and people who invested in me and my business. But there mm-hmm. was this moment in 2014 where I realized if I didn't stop doing the work that I was a, I was leading people who were depending on me to have vision and who were mm-hmm. depending on me for their livelihood and stability, who were not business owners. And right. I needed to let go of the work so that I could lead the company. And that was a, that's a whole nother story and a whole nother process. But that scaling from lifestyle to a real growth business, it's a yeah. hard, steep climb. We went from four to 99s and 20 at the end of 2014 to 14 W-2s in 10 months at the beginning of 2015. And it wow. was all the way crazy. <laughs> I do not recommend is... it. That <laughs> but I love it. So. No, that's that's very cool. I'm I'm so amazed by just like all the different things that you do. And, and this whole story is very interesting to me. Um, so obviously, you know, we've kind of peppered this in, um, throughout our conversation, but you do have like a large focus on helping like women entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So I have a passion for women. Obviously I am a woman. I think Mm -hmm. so much of what we've talked about today, when we talk about fear, like fear resides in the hearts of women so deeply, it keeps us playing ourselves so small. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, I started this business for very feminine lifestyle reasons, right? Mm-hmm. But I, the reality is I, I never even thought to a million dollars, not because I didn't want it. I just never could think that far or that big. You know, yeah. I, I, and in that way, the more I grow, the older I become, the wiser I become. Men, men don't have a lot of the mental blocks, um, the challenges, mindset challenges that we as women have. I was just on the phone with a candidate 
today, and she's got a couple of job offers on the table. We're trying to advocate to get her this role with a client, and I and she's apologizing. And I, I had to say, why are you, you're not supposed to apologize for being great, beautiful, and brilliant, and for people wanting you? But she feels mm-hmm. like she's pressuring us, and she's like, thank you for giving me permission to stop saying I'm sorry. And I was like, yeah, yeah. stop that. Like, unless... You did something wrong. We as women, I think we apologize way too much. We do this awful thing called mind reading. So I'm like looking at you and I'm, I'm like, I know she's thinking this. So I'm going to say that. And unless you told me you're thinking that, I don't know what you're thinking. And so I'm familiar with that. I definitely do it. <laughs> so, so much of the work we get to do with women entrepreneurs and when women founder led companies is really life changing. Well beyond the marketing that we'll ever do well beyond Mm -hmm. helping them tell their story, you see them grow from the inside. And I just believe feminine energy, regardless of how you identify yourself, Mm -hmm. you embrace feminine, the feminine part of you, then I really believe we are called to lead differently than Mm -hmm. feminine energy. And so much of the stress on women is we are in a male dominant society where we think in order to succeed and thrive, we have to suppress our feminine and be masculine. That's never mm-hmm. going to work to our best advantage. So in our programs and in our work with women, founder-led companies, we're doing a lot of hard work and hard work. And mm-hmm. when you unlock things like, you, why can't you take a vacation again? Oh, because I can't, and I didn't, and then, and then. And we go, we move people from, we moved one person in our coaching program from I can't take one day off to notifying her clients last December it's not only is she going to take a day off, she's going to take the whole month of June 2022 off. And when she yes. comes back, she will no longer be serving the clients. She'll be transitioning people to her team. Now she can scale. Now she can grow. Yes. That's what being a boss is really about, like calling yes. your own shots. It's not always about making top dollar. It's about mm-hmm. showing up in the fullness of who God created you to be. So, yeah, yeah we... And in that way, I know we changed her life. We probably really helped her marriage because now she's home cooking and present at dinner and there's not a computer. Yeah. And yeah, so that's that's why we like to work with women. We we don't discriminate. We like we do like the fellas, but OK, I <laughs> with the women. So, yeah, I can't remember where I read this or if someone told me this, but it's something that I think about all the time because I catch myself doing it is that like when there is a job available Um, so many women will look at that job and say, I don't match, you know, most of these qualifications, therefore I'm not going to apply. Whereas men say, I match two qualifications. I'll apply. I'll get the job. And they do. I'm around men, male business owners so much. They think they can like scale Mount Kilimanjaro into, like, (laughs) they just don't have, (laughs) they don't have these issues. I know. And we, we diminish ourselves so like if you unleash the fullness of your possibility, you can, if you desire, be really big, bright, light, bold. And that big doesn't always mean better, but yeah. the fullness of who you are. So, mm-hmm. so I'm going to ask you a question. I'm flip it. Oh, my As gosh. Okay. <laughs> how, if you think about like this concept, what like, I'll, and I'll give you my answer too. what okay. percentage, if you, you think about just you as a woman, what percentage of your real power do you think you're operating at? If you could be fully Nahid in all ways, hair, makeup, clothes, like <laughs> expressiveness. I mean, 
Yeah, it's definitely not 100%. Right. Thankfully, I have to say that I am so lucky that I have a job where they do really allow us to be ourselves right. and to bring you know, a, a full version of yourself to work. But right. at the same time, I don't think that I allow myself yeah. to be a hundred percent me. So yeah, maybe, maybe 50%, 60%. Yeah, like, you know. I mean, I do this work and I'm, I would put myself still as much as it seems like it's oozing all out of me. There's a whole lot more in here. I'm probably I'm sure. like 60, 70%. Yeah. I, could go, I could go harder in the paint. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> no, but I think that's such a good point to bring up that, I mean, we, we really, even when we do have the space and, and you are, you know, you are the one who has a lot of um, control over the space. You influence right. the space a lot and you still, you know, yeah. don't even fully allow yourself to a hundred percent, you know, be who you are, you know? Yeah. And it looks different ways for different women. Some women are quiet in meek and mild, but the fullness mm-hmm. of that, right? What we're always being told as women what not to be, not what yeah. to be. So in my family, even I'm told often, Oh, you're so, you talk so much. And oh, but like, <laughs> and it's true. I own it, but there are places and spaces that I'm called to go, you know, yeah. Ted talks, stages, radio stations where this yes. energy is needed. Right. And I took me doing a radio Mm -hmm. interview where I was like, I'm so sorry. I hope that wasn't too much. And he was like, you can go even harder. I was like, (laughs) yes, you can. (laughs) I say whatever version of you is the pure, real you be a hundred percent or strive for a hundred percent of her. And we all commit different forms and energies and styles and Mm -hmm. be mindful of when people are telling you what you should be. Should is always a form of shame. So yeah. Okay. I love, I love that. That was, that was a good answer. Um, so I guess, um, you know, I was talking about these types of things that, you know, women are often dealing with. Um, what would you say is like the most common roadblock that a lot of the women that you work with, um, in your coaching kind of face? Is it a similar type of thing yeah, where they're just not I really mean, fully it, being themselves? It's definitely, I, I could go into several answers, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the shaming themselves. Mm. there's a lot of shaming narrative, a lot of mind reading and coming up with these stories of what people are going to think if they do this and they do don't do that. And I'm like, well, did you, yeah. them? how do you know? Like, mm-hmm. how, you know, we had a client today. I had to have a, a hard conversation, a client who wasn't so pleased. And I got on the phone mm-hmm. and I reached out to her and asked like, Hey, you know, how did it go? We talked through it. And, you know, she's over there stressed. And I said, well, why are you, why didn't you just come? Like, I reached out to you for feedback. Why didn't you, why didn't you just come talk to me? That's the kind of stuff that we as women do. Like, Mm -hmm. create a narrative. We believe that it's going to mean this. And conflict doesn't have to be bad conflict, right? We're very conflict diverse. A lot of times we're very afraid. Fear is just, like I said, fear lives in the hearts of women. So it's like gripping our hearts and keeping us blocked. And when you can be honest, you can open up communication. You can win Mm -hmm. back. You can, you know, make people feel good. You can change someone's narrative, their day, but it, it takes an intention behind it. So really helping women get over apologizing for their greatness, apologizing Mm -hmm. for how they need their business to look, to run Mm -hmm. their life. Because at the end of the day, I started this business to, for for a certain lifestyle. My life Mm -hmm. didn't yield kids. My life didn't yield a husband. 
but it did yield this ability to do this work for so many women because it's always, yeah. it's always mattered to me from day one. And this is when yeah. I started the business. So really helping unpack that and then giving them the tools and just watching them yeah. like loss. It's you get to literally watch people open up before. Mm-hmm. It's so rewarding. Like, so yeah, fun. I mean, the impact that you make probably, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, probably feels so much bigger than, you know, when you were in your corporate type job. And, and, you know, I think that that's just something that it's, you're so lucky. And, and those who kind of follow a similar path are so lucky to be able to say like, wow, the impact that I make every day, because I yeah. took this risk and I followed this path, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely on the significance chapter of my life. Um, I had a friend, I'm quoting everybody today, but uh, <laughs> Go for I, I think his mom got this from someone. So he quoted his mom and I looked it up and I, I'm pretty sure a president or someone important said it. Um, it basically said the first half of your life is about success, but the second half is significance. I, for me, I've turned the corner. Like I can show up and make a lot more money in the world and it, it would be mm-hmm. fun. I'm not going to say I wouldn't enjoy doing that. A much more important, it's much more important to me that I am making generational change. Like if I, if I change and impact one woman's ability to be present for her kids by reorganizing mm-hmm. her work in a way that works and creates immense joy for her, her husband's going to benefit. Her kids are going to have a better version of their mom. That's going to impact who they become, who their kids' kids become, and who their kids' kids become. So maybe yeah. it's just this narcissistic thing. I get to be <laughs> immortal because longer after I'm gone, I would have impacted like no so many lives and people. So no, but see, this is exactly what we were talking about earlier. This is not you being narcissistic. Thank this you, is thank you truly you. impacting this people. Is me at sixty percent, I told you. <laughs> Exactly. We all need to check ourselves a little bit. Yeah. So that's what I love about our program because we're always, I'm always sharing my stories, my truth, mm-hmm. my failures, my successes, and, and, yeah. and I'm in the trenches with the women doing the work, the hard work with them. So it's not just like, oh, I figured it out. Here, go do this. It's like, no, this stuff works. I've lived it. Yeah. So much of the balance, the boundaries, the breakthroughs comes from my struggles with depression and how I've had to set this business up to honor me so that I don't have a breakdown or end up in a hospital. I've got to move differently in business. Mm -hmm. And if I move like a man or move like the next woman, it could have dire consequences for me personally. So being able to pass those lessons on and the tools, it's really rewarding. And then for our corporate clients, like all of this boils down to stress relief, really. Our vision as mm-hmm. a company is to heal the world by helping create more joy at work. And so underneath all of this is a business case that shows us that before the pandemic, stress was costing U.S. companies $360 billion a year in losses, what? right? So if you now escalate that because of the pandemic, mental health uh-huh. is on the rise. I need to go pull the status. I'm going to make a commitment to do that. I'm sure it's much higher two years later. Yeah. So... Wow. Work matters and it impacts businesses real time, bottom line. When you mm-hmm. and give people time to take breaks, to be themselves, to, wow. to be with those they love, that energy 
positively pours back into the business and the numbers. The, it's proof is in the numbers. It shows back up in your business. Yeah. I feel like I've heard stuff like that too. Is like, I'm totally making this up, but it's like in Sweden or somewhere like really progressive and wild like that. It's like they have four day work weeks and they don't, they have like five, six weeks vacation. And it's like the productivity is crazy. And it just, it really goes to show like people yeah. need to invest in themselves, yeah. you know, as much as they invest in other people. During that season, my, my divorce and my dad dying were both unexpected events about Mm -hmm. you're apart. So it was like compounded trauma. I ended up doing four day work weeks and taking Friday. I dubbed them fun Fridays. I told all my clients, I still maintain to this day. That was the most productive I've ever been in my career. Wow. It was four day work weeks. I I would advocate for them all the time. I was, I'll tell my boss. (laughs) I was more creative because I was resting. Mm -hmm. Creative energy can't really fully express itself if you're tired and wiped out. It's not going to rise to the occasion. So, yeah. I mean, that's something that that's definitely big for us too. Um, I'm not sure how much you know about like the way we've, we've kind of structured things, but we have um, like a sales team and traditionally sales teams tend to be very, very high stress, long hours, you, you know, end of the month. If you don't make the sale, you are here until 10 PM doing what you have to do to, you know, and so we've kind of restructured things to a place where we have everybody, you know, these, these um, sales uh, teams are remote. They work the hours that work for them. Mm-hmm. If you make your numbers, great. Um, you yeah. don't have to, you know, kill yourself after you make, you know, uh, the numbers, whereas a lot of sales places, it's like, oh, you made your numbers. Now you have time to make more, you know, exactly. it's like, we have this philosophy here that's very similar, yeah. you know, that, that you are going to be a lot more invested, a lot happier and just be a better asset to our team. If you have that time yeah. to, to be flexible. Well, and I think, A, I think we can stop talking about millennials because like, that train has left the station. I get so frustrated with like, oh, the millennials. I'm like, the millennials are like 40 buying houses with kids. Yeah. We need to be talking about Gen Z because my niece. Yeah, leave them alone. And they're a whole different animal. Like, that's what you need yes. to be concerned about. But I think they're going to demand and command fluidity, mm-hmm. right, between work and life. That's what we're seeing is yeah. the merger of the two. So when we're thinking futuristically, real time and futuristically, mm-hmm. conversations we're having now are no longer about like email boundaries after hours. It's more about unlimited PTO, work from mm-hmm. anywhere benefits. Like why can't my team, hybrid teams, why can't you go to Barbados and say, I'm a plug in from seven to two, and get exactly done and not have to take vacation time because you worked. But yeah. You also, because like you sunning on the beach in Barbados is going to help me mm-hmm. go back up on Zoom next morning. So. Right. But you got <laughs> absolutely got to have checks and balances. People have to, mm-hmm. to self manage. So there are all those things to figure out. But yeah. I think the world is changing, and I'm excited. It is. It. Me too. Me too. It's it's very cool. Um. So kind of somewhat switching gears a little bit. I, I know that you just said something that sparked. Um. You said like, oh, I'm gonna. I'm I'm going to find these stats later. I'm committed to doing it. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to talk a little bit about like executing on some of the goals you might have mm-hmm. and like how you stay accountable to, yeah. you know, certain goals. And I'm sure maybe it's easier to stay accountable now that you really have like a structure and clients and people that work with you. But maybe, maybe it was harder when you were just like on your own a little bit. Like how do you, how do you like make sure that you either stay accountable to your goals yourself or, or also how do you coach people to yeah. kind of stay accountable to their goals? So accountability is really important. I, I have a team of about 20, so I, I have to, mm-hmm. I'm accountable for every decision 
because my decisions affect their lives, their paychecks, their families, mm-hmm. their lifestyle. Um, so I've, over the years, I've done different things. There was a season where I had an advisory board where I'd set my plans and then I I didn't pay them anything. I I bought them an amazing dinner in once a quarter. <laughs> once a quarter, I'd be like, here's my plan. And we loved it. It was a good group of people. The way mm-hmm. I created the advisory board, I picked people, again, that were strong in areas where I needed support. So like a finance guy, marketers, mm-hmm. we aren't your finance people. Finance guy. Mm-hmm. I had a friend's mom who's a retired New York school principal. You'd be like, well, why'd you pick her? Love it. She was outside of business. She just see she ran. I mean, a school is a business, but she she came completely from left field. And I wanted that perspective. I had a woman owned business at the time. We weren't over a million and she was. And then I had another marketing agency and we would get together for years and I would I would put the plan together for the year. And every quarter I'd report back on goals. And they were the ones who helped me really get over the million dollar mark. But I had to stop doing the work to lead the company. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a real hard shift when I said you go from lifestyle to growth. You can't mm-hmm. grow if you're doing all the work. And I had to be mm-hmm. intentional about that. Today, we um, implement a system called EOS is Trending off of a book called mm-hmm. Traction by Gino Wickman. Um, mm, okay, I haven't read it. This is an entrepreneurial operating system. And we have a paid consultant who works with us. We meet once a, a week as a team my leadership team is tied in financially to the goals of the company with compensation and bonus. And every one of my leadership team is responsible for a number that's tied to mm-hmm. our goals. So we meet every week. We go over action items, issues. Where are we on our goals? We look at that scorecard. And then we go every 90 days with our implementer, um, our EOS consultant, and he challenges our reality. And then, mm-hmm. you know, then I have people in place, you know, financial controls you know, so I don't like use up all the money and yeah. <laughs> like I'm in Barbados and no one else. <laughs> you know, I do think it, the owner has to be self-aware and yeah, you accountability is one of our core values. So it's easy for me in that way because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a high responsibility person and I want to be able to express to my team, especially people who are entrusting me with their lives and livelihood. Yeah. I have to create vision and, and I'm a leader mm-hmm. who leads off of vision and inspiration. And it is the most honoring thing to be able to have something in your head, express it, and have people come along with you. I'll never get over yeah. that. It's very humbling. And I'm excited and proud and honored to do it. So being accountable back to them is is my responsibility. Yeah. No, and something I think that, that kind of ties everything you said together is that you're always you know, you're always kind of checking in with someone else. So if you're starting your business and maybe it's your mom, maybe you're like, mom, this is my goals. Like, you know, help, help me just kind of walk through them so that if I say it out loud, that's what's happening, you know? Right. And I also joined a group, um, EO Atlanta, shout out to EO Atlanta. Um, so, um, it's, uh, entrepreneurs organization. So I think community matters and that's something when Mm -hmm. I did start to grow really fast I said, I don't recommend fast growth. I didn't have a community of people who've done it. So mm-hmm. it's super isolating and just getting in the right community of entrepreneurs who can be like, girl, why are you stressing that? Go do that. You're like, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about that for three years. Sorry. <laughs> you took all my problem in 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so that's also helped, um, helps me keep accountable because 
I'm accountable to my employees, but now I'm in this community where we hold each other accountable and exactly. iron, iron. So, and that is a lot of men in that community. So I mm. start showing up differently. Cause I'm like, wait, he's not, he's not afraid of this. He's not worrying about what I'm thinking. He's not. And then it's yeah. like, Ooh, I got work to do. Right. So, and then I pass it yeah. on. So they hold me extremely accountable. No, I think that's so great. Community is very important. I a hundred percent agree. Um, so I, I guess kind of just to, to close out our conversation, I feel like you've given so much great advice. I feel like this whole conversation will, you know, just, just give so many little tidbits to, to anyone who's listening. I think you can relate to, to so many parts of this, but what do you think your advice would be, um, to a woman who, who's maybe just on that kind of cusp of, of jumping and, and starting to do something on her own, like, like you were, you know, starting, you know, back then, what would you say to someone who's just afraid to take that leap? This sounds so simple. Do something. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, you don't have to go start a business today, but you can take one step. You can do something that moves you closer to that goal. Do something until you know exactly what to do. I mean, that's essentially what I did. I just did yeah. something moving in that direction until it was clear and plain. And trust me, when God wants you to move, it becomes very clear and plain very quickly. So, yeah, just do yeah. something. Don't put all that pressure on yourself. Like, it's not yeah. our job to figure out the how a lot of times. Like, as you hear, I'm a person of faith. But whatever you believe in, mm-hmm. a lot of times we're not supposed to figure out how. We're just supposed to figure out the what and the why. With those two things, you can move mountains. The how a lot of times figures itself out in the process. So just just do yeah. something. I think that's wise. There's something very, it's, it's simple, but there's so much meaning behind it and, and so much that you can interpret. So I think that's great. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate having you. Thank you for having um, me. This is so fun. Yeah. And, and Shawnee, if you don't mind, um, can you just kind of tell everybody where they can find you Instagram, you know, if you have any events coming up, you want to plug away? Sure. Um, so I would love to connect with, um, all of your viewers and listeners. Um, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, it's, I love talking to people and sharing the story and, and giving tips. Um, I can be found very easily at I am Shawnee Godwin, and that is I am Shawnee, S-H-A-N-I, Godwin, G-O-D-W-I-N, um, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can link in with me on LinkedIn, and you can also go to my website at ShawneeGodwin.com and sign up for a free joy assessment. And we'll talk specifically. You'll meet with me. We'll, we'll do some little assessing and figure out what some good next steps for you are. And that is also how you sign up for my email list. And we send out all kinds of free videos, master classes, mind hacks, tips. Um, and yeah, and YouTube, I'm on Shawnee Godwin. So all, all things Shawnee Godwin lead to Shawnee Godwin. <laughs> Just Google her, y'all. You'll find it. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm sure um, you know our listeners will pick up a lot of advice here, but really, really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Gem Series, the podcast for anybody dedicated to investing in themselves. Stay tuned for our next episode and look in the links below for resources that you can use for yourself. Until next time, this is Blake Chapman, and remember to be awesome and do awesome things.